When Shamrock Rovers got one back, tears came to my eyes. When we went two went up and I heard those thousands of Sligo people, I was proud and we went out and won. Best town in the world. Best town in the world. Best town in the world. More drama here. Chilani. North. Elding. 3-2. They've been looking for Stenson's head away at the far post. And over it comes Elliot. Stenson! One more. Episode 32 of the Bitter Red Supporters Trust podcast, and uh, we're definitely going to call this one Welcome to Heaven on the back of uh, our co-commentator on the Saga Rovers games, Joey and Doe. And um, well, we really were in heaven after um, what was an incredible performance uh, the other day for Saga Rovers, um, one I don't think many of us were expecting, but you're very welcome along to uh, another uh, Bitter Red Supporters Trust podcast, and we're brought to you as always by the White Hag Brewing Company. Uh, it's the usual crew. We're, uh, we're coming to you again as usual uh, via Zoom. So we got Sean Don. Sean, how are things? All good, Connor. We got Jerry O'Connor. Jerry, how are things? Yeah, good, Connor. Cheers. And we got Shane Magoo McGoldrick. Magoo, how are you? Living the dream, Connor. Living the dream. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, um, yeah. Uh, we we the last time we met or the last time we we spoke to you, um, we were a little bit uh, uh, unsure. I think uh, about how things were going to go against uh, Bohemians, uh, but uh, we're we're in a much better position now than we were this time last year or this time last week. Um, so just to say, coming up on um, on this week's podcast, we have a great interview with uh, Greg Bulger, who's been such an influence since he's come into the club, and uh, Magoo and Sean sat down with him over Zoom uh, yesterday, I think, wasn't it? Yeah, and um, so we have a good 40-minute interview. Uh, he goes into great depth about his time with the club, and um, we will get your shouts in the shout end, and we will look ahead to the game with Longford and we'll give away a case of beer. We'll talk about what happened to uh, the case of beer last week as well. There was uh, an executive decision made there. So really quickly, we'll get the ball rolling just before we get our shouts from the shed end and get uh, feedback from uh, other fellow Rover supporters. Uh, Magoo, uh, did, you, did that performance come out of the blue? Or do you think we were building up to it? Uh, um, well, it came out of the blue from the last few weeks. I suppose before the break, it was kind of the direction we were going. You could say it probably was building up to a performance like that. But um, since the break, yeah, it came out of the blue in the last, compared to the last few weeks. Uh, Jerry, there were a lot of players who kind of stood up to the plate uh, on Saturday, wasn't there? Yeah, I think they all did, in fairness. Um, every single one of them. Um, so it wasn't everybody... Don't perform to their their top really, and uh, yeah, so brilliant. It's a great feeling for everyone. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Sean, did you did you think um, something like this was going to happen, or what, what were you? I think you were expecting a, you were predicting a one goal win by Rovers. You were being very positive, but um, you couldn't have expected such a confident and complete performance. No, like anyone who did was telling you lies. Nobody saw that on the cards. 
Um, I was I was just hoping for a win. I didn't. I even said under the pod last week that I didn't care about the performance. Just get out of there with three points. But no, that was that was sensational. I, I even tweeted. I think it, I said it, that it was the best performance I've seen in the showgrounds since the three 0 win in the semi final against Shams. Oh, the cup yeah. all them yeah. years ago. So I, genuinely, I thought they were sensational the other night. Absolutely sensational. Yeah. Um, okay, so uh, after every game, we ask you to get your shout from the shed and then you can uh, record a voice note, a 30-second or 40-second note uh, following the game uh, against Longford next Saturday after the game to give us your thoughts and you can email them into podcast at borst.ie. And here's this week's shouts from the shed end. How are you, lads? Ronan Flanagan here in heaven. I mean, boy, yeah, what a win that was there at the showgrounds. From minute one to ninety, from Ed between the sticks to David Cawley off the bench, a top quality performance from each and every player. My man, of the match has to go to Lewis Banks, the man who started the season as our second choice right back, has used this as motivation and now looks like the player we signed in 2019. We have a history of rampaging right fulls, and Banks is another we can add to that list. Special mention must go to RDV and Mark Byrne. I think Romeo and Walter will have their work cut out to get back into the team, and on we go. This is Sean from America on the Bose match. I mean, what can you say? It was the best game in years. Uh, we've been saying all year, if we could just get the the forwards to click, just like everybody else, we'd roll over our teams, and we sure did. Um, Bolger and Morhan just controlled the game, all game. I mean, they didn't give them nothing. Uh, DeVries put in a a shift. Gibson was sublime, but man of the match for me has got to be Johnny Kenny. I mean, he was amazing. He was all over the place. Running channels, I mean, he was immense. So, hopefully they can put in some more shifts just like that uh, up the rovers. Dylan Henry, what a game to get back into the showgrounds. It's great to be surrounded by a few lunatics again, shouting at a few fellas running around the pitch instead of shouting at a TV by myself. Uh, what a performance by the boys. I predicted Johnny Kenny at the start of the season to be the player of the year, and he's just getting better and better every game. Um, special mention to Ed McGinty. Man, you, just, you can make a mistake now and then, but it doesn't matter. The corners come in or cross comes in. He takes the pressure off the defence every single time. He'll come out and catch it, no matter what happens. He'll be out again the next time we catch it. Uh, um, sooner we get back to the, the showgrounds, all of us put a pro- proper push on for this league. Look, we all want a European place, but it's starting to become a wee title challenge that we can't admit, but it's coming at us fast. Okay, that's your shout from the shout end. Just to remind you, get them into podcast at borst.ie and we'll play them out next week after the game against Lanford Town. Uh, okay, so um, good things, uh, th- positive things started happening quite quickly uh, the other day. It only took 30 minutes um, for um, for our first goal to come around. Uh, it was, um, it was, I mean, Gibson had a great, Gibson, we, you know, we were questioning Gibson in the number 10 position, um, but he kind of, kind of shoved that down our throat, I suppose. <laughs> he, did, he, yeah. he vindicated his playing in that position, didn't he? He's still 100%. He was outstanding. He was all night. It was just joy to watch some of the stuff he'd done, in fairness. It's joy to watch. But 
if, you know what? When you're playing against teams, like I, I was very surprised with Bowles, to be honest with you. Um, I thought they were going to come out really aggressive and the form they've been on and the form we've been on. And they'd be thinking there was an opportunity here to close the gap even more and to come straight at us for the ball. But they didn't. They were very apprehensive and kind of sat off us a wee bit. And it was us who started on the front foot and really aggressive. And they kind of sat off us. Like, you know, Jordan was saying last week that he thought we were the best team that they played this season. And it looked like they thought the same and they were afraid of us. Like, they looked yeah. afraid of us. And like, one, we had a bit between our team. Once we scored first, and that was it. There was, was only one winner, I think, after that. Just on that, Magoo, as well, and this could be an absolutely totally irrelevant point, but it was just something that I seen myself. I was in town there on Saturday, and I seen all the Bulls fellas walking, walking by me, and they just seemed so relaxed, and they were just pushing and shoving each other and messing, and they just didn't seem like a team that were going out to play a massive game in, a, in about two hours or whatever it may have been. They just, they looked switched off. They didn't look switched on at all. They were messing and that, it's kind of seemed like that from the kickoff then. They were just kind of, bit, they were very slack and then they were just, they couldn't get into the game after that. Did they recognise yeah. you? Huh? Did they recognise you? No, they, they nearly recognised me front bumper when I drove over them. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, it's funny, like when Jordan, uh, or Jordo O'Reilly was on the podcast last week saying that we were the best team that um, uh, have played against Bulls. Yeah, well, maybe we were the best team, but like we would have, we would would have had a very different opinion, I suppose, of our more recent um, levels of performance, and I think that's we were expecting um, a Bowls team that were going to come at us a lot more. But that's not to say, like across the game, it could have been a different game. I can't remember when it was, but um, um, well, actually, about half an hour into the game, uh, Bowles had a, a chance. Uh, oh, it was Liam Burt, I think, who fired a ball, uh, who fired a, a shot in. And it was only a whisker past the post. And, it, you know, that's one all. It could be a very different game then, like, you know. That was so a brilliant I, move as well. It was a great move, yeah. It was Ross uh, Tierney, I think, who picked the ball up. But they, they, um, I, I think, I mean, you couldn't say that Bowles were underperforming in, in that game. No, definitely not, Connor. They started slow. That was their biggest issue, I think. And then they did build into the game throughout. They, like, they had some brilliant phases of play and they did cause us a few problems. Georgie Kelly's movement up front was very good, but Blaine were excellent. They didn't give him a sniff then, really. But, uh, but no, they, they threatened throughout. Like, and if that goal that they scored wasn't given offside, like, obviously it's a completely different game, but it would have been interesting to see our reaction to that. Uh, that was just after the second half, wasn't it? Uh, just mm. at the start of the second half. Um, I think that that I couldn't see a lot wrong with that goal. I don't know about you, Jerry. If did kind you, of hard to tell a few times the angle. Um, I suppose. Well, look, in fairness, um, just on the officials, they actually had a, a great game. Uh, McGrath uh, really officiated well. Yeah, uh, money was there, and be fair to the linesman, he was like within. Now, it doesn't mean that he's right, but he would have been in, you know, 10, 12 yards of that because that's where the linesman was positioned. Um, so, you'd like to think that he did get it right, but look, who knows in this league? And yeah, nobody knows more than ourselves that, you know, these decisions sometimes can go against you. So, hopefully, I hope, hope he was on site. Well, I, I, don't, I think, uh, I don't know who uh, took the initial shot, but I don't think uh, McGinty made any contact with it. I think it went straight through to Kelly and he would have been then ahead of the ball in an offside position to convert it. I think right. I think that's what may have happened. I'm not, I'm not entirely yeah. sure. Yeah. Uh, I think somebody we really need to talk about is um, the performance from Lewis Banks. Uh, he oh. 
um, you know, he was really reading forward and with him breaking those lines, uh, it really created, I mean, I don't know, did, is that the sort of thing that creates space for Gibson to do more damage when... Well, I think, sorry, I was just going to say, if you're going to talk about Lewis Banks, I think you have to talk about Mark Byrne. I think the two of them together has to be spoken about rather than just individual performance. I think the whole right side was, the two of them together were outstanding. Their link-up play and their one and two touch football, one twos, giving goals all night was was brilliant. I thought, and uh, but yeah, Banks is one of his best games for. I say it was probably Mark Byrne's best game for us. So. Yeah, um, and funny enough, the week before the last podcast, we were looking for him to go on the left, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. another another one. Yeah, yeah like the the only thing we got right really was uh, Kenny to start up top. Yeah. <laughs> We're good at this, aren't we? That's why we're sitting here recording <laughs> stupid podcast. Tuning out now. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, but I suppose, but like, I don't know. Sean, uh, does Banks getting forward, breaking those lines, make things easier for gives defenders obviously more things to worry about, and it opens up space for your creative player in the number ten position. Those of course, Connor. Yeah, look, he's pulling players towards him, and it is especially when. On a day like that, there you've seen his performance. He was playing the he was playing the game at one touch football nearly all the time. He he rarely took a second touch. Uh, he was playing the ball inside and he playing it playing a forward into Mark Byrne, cre- creating an overlap. Then again, um, then Mark Byrne would be laying it off him behind for him, and that's what we were looking for as well. If you remember last week, we all called for that is more balls down to the byline and fizz it across the box. Yeah. Something we all stressed that needed to happen. And you could just see the problems it was causing Bowes. They couldn't deal with it. They, they were all over the place. And I think the perfect example of that, or the proof of that, is when Rob Cornwall and Tariq Wilson get whipped at halftime. Yeah. They were in tatters. Johnny Kenny had, and I said, I said it myself, that he'd have Rob Cornwall on ice if he got at him. He's a terrible defender, an absolutely terrible defender. And I was really surprised at Wilson. But he just had an absolute nightmare. He couldn't deal with Mark Byrne. Mark Byrne was so intelligent in his movement. It was just little things. And he just did Tyreek Wilson all over the place. And then with Banks raiding down on top of him as well, he wasn't getting any support from Bird. And uh, Bird wasn't doing any defensive work, really. So he's left on his own. And they just made a show of him, really. It was brilliant yeah. to see. And Magoo was right to say that, you know, Mark Byrne and Banks together as a unit were just absolutely sensational. Um. The the second goal, Jerry. I don't think um, after the game. This this is the OG, but it would it probably went down as an OG in the end. Um, I think uh, the club were quick to try and give Kenny the hat trick, which is fair enough. But I think uh, the OG is probably a fair enough. Uh, it's probably a fair enough decision in the end. What do you think? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Did you have the hat trick backed? Yeah, I, I don't. I'm not having that. I'm sure he got some sort of touch on it. Yeah. Even off his the top of his toe or off his dancing or something like that, I'm sure you got it some touch. So yeah, probably in the hat trick. Uh, the youngest ever, the youngest ever hat trick scorer in, in the in the league. Um, is a hat trick. Yeah, a, a few minutes after the second goal, I mean, he he nearly did have the hat trick, or he nearly did have, he nearly yeah. definitely did have three goals with the header off the crossbar, and that was again was. I think there was movement between Banks and Byrne and Byrne mm. puts that kind of lovely weighted cross to the back oh. post and Kenny's up like a salmon. He's it's like he's it's like he's hanging, it's like a basketball player hanging in the air waiting for the it's only inches that puts the, the ball onto the 
onto the uh, the crossbar. He also hit the post as well with a great shot from the second half off his left foot. I think, uh, I think the second half, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. He was. He was really. Uh, Magoo Kenny's performance overall was was incredible. Though really, his 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 willingness to find space and his it's it's hard to it's hard. What is it? Is it? It's just find those little gaps and constantly moving. Uh, it's just intelligence. It's, it's like it. That's all can nearly be taught. He's just born with that kind of intelligent movement. It just comes so naturally to him and stuff. But like Jerry was sat, Jerry was on about there. Uh, the youngest ever scorer. Like I, I don't think enough has been made of it. Like it's mind blowing stuff to have. Like Dad was turning up to a training a couple of weeks ago in a school uniform, like, and now he's in the League of Ireland professional division, scoring a hat trick at, at just gone eighteen. Like he's a week or two weeks over eighteen. Like even from our own fans, it was kind of, you know, there wasn't as much a big thing. As, like we kind of come used to it because last season everybody watched him at underage and he like he was scoring four goals every game. And then he came in to start pre-season and he was scoring. Like, he does, he never scores in ones, really. It's always two, three, four a game. Yeah. And people are just, yeah, you know, Johnny, when he scores, he's going to score a heap of goals. And it's just like, oh, yeah, it's happened. It's and not a big enough deal to be made of it, if you ask me. Like yeah. a hat-trick, a left foot, right foot, and, well, the one that's OG or tapping or whatever. But if you look at the other chances, the header used to have the crossbar, he had... A volley near the end from about eighteen yards yep. that would have that would have busted and it went in. Mm. So the 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 OG if it was an OG that was tapping. The the first goal was reacting predatory instinct of the keeper save, and then the third goal was brilliant. Once once Jordan flicked by a man in midfield, and he knew he was on. He just took a couple of steps to the side and opened up the space between himself and the centre half for the ball to be played into. But they're all different types of. Centre yeah. forward attributes, and he has them all. Yeah. He has every one of them. He's just he's just a phenomenon, and the ceiling on him is so high. So the other and the other part, well, there's, there's lots of players we could talk about. Um, we we'll talk about a little bit with Niall Moore, and I thought Niall was excellent. I thought his his um, his willingness to get the ball into kind of penetrating uh, positions was was really uh, was really effective. Um, but uh, once more for the third goal, we had Gibson. Um, loading the gun for Ryan DeVries. Um, a perfectly way to pass from a beautiful pass. Um, Jerry, which of was this one of your? Was this uh, this is my favorite goal anyway? I don't oh, know about yeah. you. Just um, the composure. That's just you know that's what it was all about. Just composure. Um, you know he could have pulled the trigger a couple of times, and a lot of chances falls in this league would. Um, and I think. Carries on in that uh, type of form, it'll be like a new signing, and it won't even be like a new signing. It'll be like an absolute quality signing. Mm. Um, and that's, you know, I, I think if he carries that on, we and I'm the probably the biggest skeptic in, skeptic in terms of us winning the league. But if you can get him to perform on that kind of consistent basis, like he done there the last day, and to be as composed in and around the box as he was when he took that goal. We have a, a brilliant chance, in my opinion. Um, and, you know, just looking at the bench, you had Walter on the bench, you had Collie on the bench, and players like that to come in. You had Romeo. And I think if we could get Romeo firing on all cylinders as well, look, there's absolutely no stopping us. This is what we've been looking for um, since the start of the season, talking about the front four. Um, the lads that played in the front four last night, uh, the last night, were just, you know, were, 
absolutely no, nobody in the league would touch them. Shans don't have mm. anybody, any players like them in, in the top end of the pitch um, at all. And look, they're, they're, they're who, who we're gunning for. So I'd be, yeah. very, I'd be very confident going forward if we can reproduce that, you know. This is what people have been waiting for with the freeze, isn't it? Yeah, this yeah. is the this is the real arrival. We've seen it last season as well. We've seen glimpses of it, like, but he's got his fitness up now. You can even see him. He looked trim. Yeah. So he did on the pitch. You can see he's, he's dropped weight. You know, he wasn't trying too hard. He wasn't forcing. And I think yeah. if you go back maybe two or three weeks ago, he would have forced that uh, shot off maybe in the first attempt, but he didn't. He came back inside and he came back inside again. He left two of them on their arse. Yeah. Oh, so he sent them down to Bill's shop for tirings. That's what two of them. Yeah. Yeah. And he just like pure calm into the into the corner of the net. And I think you can see him now. He's comfortable. He's within within himself. He's not forcing things. It's not he's not trying too hard like where previous him, like he was coming back into the left back or the right back position to pick up the ball. He was deeper than their midfield. He's playing exactly where we want him to play, and he's playing exactly the way we want him to play. Yeah, absolutely. Just on that point, Jerry, like I remember uh, looking at the Pats team um, before uh, they kicked off against Waterford. Now I know they only drew at Waterford, but they had on their bench they had Forrester, uh, Barrett, and um, the likes of Jamie Lennon starting from the bench. And I thought, geez, that's that's. And I maybe maybe someone were injured or picked up knocks. I don't know, but I thought, geez, that's impressive if they can leave that level and that standard of player, the likes of Barrett, who's definitely a leader in the team on the bench, uh, going into uh, now. You know, maybe a lesser team like Waterford, but however, you know, I thought really, it was a real kind of statement about confidence in their squad, you know. And I think that that kind of changed for us as well on the back of the victory over Bowles as well. Like you mentioned, when you've got Walter, you've got um you've got um Romeo starting on the bench, you know, suddenly two weeks ago we we're worried about these injuries that are building up. Um, but when you get a victory like that and you do have firepower like that coming off the bench, it does kind of change our feeling about um, the quality in our squad as was. Well, it's like what Sean said there. Um, that's what we've been waiting for. That's We know it's been there all along. And uh, I think, it, you know, we were waiting for it to click and it did click on, on Saturday night. <clears throat> you know, at times we, we were we were unplayable. So it's just about getting that consistency in our play now and bringing it on. Uh, and things like as, as McGoo uh, touched on just about... Uh, about uh, Mark Byrne and Lewis Banks, like their link up play. Like we didn't have that against Derry. No. We turned it around so quickly against, um, yeah. against the last night. Yeah. You know, it's, I think, look, we're halfway through, through the league. Whoever is at this point in time, whoever is the most consistent from now until the end of the season is going to win the league. And I know that's kind of a. a no, no, I know. Yeah, I know what you're saying. Yeah. But it's just a, like we know we can do it and it's just. It's up to us now, or up to the players, um, just to bring that level every week. Yeah. Um, just, just another another little side point on, you know, on, on the likes of Pats. Like, Pats have Alfie Lewis. Uh, I think Billy King is on loan as well. Um, so these are players who are starting for them, whose uh, loan terms come to an end uh, at the start of July. And there's no guarantee that, um, I know Pats fans were saying, there's no guarantee that Alfie Lewis is going to... Connor, sorry to cut in there. Alfie Lewis has been released from West Ham and he signed with Pats for the remainder of the season. For the remainder of the season, at least, anyway. Yeah. All right. Okay. 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 Um, shit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I thought he was going to go. The tangent there, and then. Well, yeah. 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 Um, 
but just to go back on just to go back on the freeze before we go off him, I think an awful lot of credit has to go to Buckley as well though because um, <clears throat> like we've spoke about as, as the lads were saying already about getting the front four to click and who are we going to play and who play where and what positions can we play them in to get the best out of everybody and who per- I don't think one person mentioned once right in the freeze on the left of the front three Yeah, from anyone I spoke to and Buckley saying it and put him in there and <clears throat> not only did he put him in there but when it but like the first game, who was it before the Derry, the draw of the game? So he played, you know, he probably played number 10 that day, but he played left up in Derry and he was he was all right, like, but he wasn't, you know, an easy thing could have been to bring Walter back in or bring Romeo in or whatever, but he stuck with it. He's seen something and he stuck with it. And it, like the, the, the fruits were bared on Saturday night, but, but everything clicked into place. Sean was putting up his hand there as if he was some kind of visionary and said that, but I don't remember it. Dave? <laughs> yeah. hey. And saying it, said it, said it against Derry. It says that we it wasn't the Sean, greatest performance, but there was something there. Sean, Sean also, Sean also promised me during the week that Germany would hammer England. But uh, <laughs> there you go. I think, I think right, though, um, and I suppose, look, as football fans, and that's what we are. Um, we kind of react in a knee-jerk uh, way at times. And from the last podcast, we would have changed this, and we would have changed that. Yeah. Yeah. And when we seen the team sheet on Saturday evening, where the, uh, why didn't he do this and why didn't he do that? And I suppose, look, that's you know that's not just the difference, obviously. But Buckley, him, he is always very, very patient. Um, he, we, we spoke about it last week, and that. But we just every time someone has a bad game, do you take him out of the team and put somebody else in? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, that probably doesn't get you anywhere. But as football fans, I suppose we're very reactionary. Uh, we're very kind of, you know, uh, change this, change, you know, whereas that doesn't really work. In a sense, you have to give Buckley credit. He sticks with it. Um, and really going back to the point he was making earlier on. So he's he's stuck with the players now. He's given them that chance. So they've produced a performance like that on Saturday night. Now, the players have to repay Buckley in being consistent with those displays. Yeah. The bear, the bear is set now, Jerry. Yeah. 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 And the worry is, you know, and we talk about Longford later on, the worry is it's not a big team coming to, uh, although we're going to we'll go to Longford on Saturday. It's it's one of the lesser teams we're playing. So, you know, that's, I suppose, the obvious fear is that um, they'll feel we've the we've the big, we've Delta Bulls, we can take the foot off a little bit and, you um, and we'll be long for comfortably, and that's where the that's where the shocks happen. And we've seen throughout the league that people can take points off anybody, like you know. Before we finish up on the the uh, the bowls game, what was your favourite goal? What was your standout? What was the what was the goal that was that stood out most for you? Oh, it has to be the, the free goal. It's, I don't think anyone can go against that, and especially that I just I've been championing him for so long as well. I took yeah. great pleasure in him scoring yeah. that goal. Yeah. I, no, I would go against that. Ooh. Go on, Jerry. Johnny Kenny's tapping. That for me was the best goal. Why is that? Just because you know it was part of his hat trick. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, for me, for me, it's Johnny's third goal because the way he pulls off the defender creates that little gap for the ball to be slid into, and then takes it with his left foot first time. And I've been saying for ages that I've been waiting for him to score one of them kind of goals. You know, the goals he scored so far have been. The keeper mistake, or like even his first one, it was the keeper again parried it out to him. But this one was 
proper striker's goal. He's created the space for himself. He's mm. he's seen Gibson open up open up the midfield with that little flick around uh, the ball player, and he's straight away he's decked it and he's pulled off the defender, created the space for himself, that little gap, and first time into the far corner. And I've been waiting for him to score one of them goals, and so that's my favourite one. As well, just, that was a kick on from really, really kicking on. On that one, we go as well that um, on the on our fourth goal, the Johnny scores where he takes it first time on the finish. I think there's a chance earlier on in the game where he takes an extra touch, where he's in the box and he takes an extra touch where he doesn't actually need it, yeah. and it leads to a miss. Whereas this time he knew he had Talbot. If he takes it first time, he'd be able to find a find a space by him. It was, it was a brilliant finish. Yeah. Like it is, it's that goal is quality from start to finish. And I don't want to take up all of it on it, but on Johnny's tapping as well, because that's where I, I, I'd agree with Jerry as well, that he nearly has to be given that hat-trick on the basis alone that he actually starts that move. So it was on the halfway line, he's just back to goal and he can, he's fighting and fighting for the ball and he gets it, he plays it inside to Morhen and it's Morhen and switches out wide, but Johnny's on the end of it again when it comes back into the box. That's right, yeah, yeah. And that, 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 I think that was the move where Morhen stood out most for me as willingness to really open up play and be expansive. Yeah. And I think I think that was like a major factor in in you know our overcoming balls. Um, it's something he needs to do more, I think. Though. Absolutely, like, yeah. I, I said as I said as, geez, it was on last year's part and last year's season that I I that he has it in him. Like I've seen it, I've seen it on him from underage, and I know everybody's underage is different than that. But if if you have an eye for a pass, if an eye for a pass, like you'd see him underage hit first first time balls. Uh, in behind fullbacks for and in between centre halves for a striker, so he can see the pass and he can do it. It's just yeah, the willingness to do it now mm. at this stage. But I seen the other night now was kind of, you know, he was he was more fun footed and more eager to to yeah to spray a couple of them balls around rather than just doing the same simple things. Like that's not to say that's like that's his job and, and he's very good at it. But he has more he has more in him. He yeah. really does have more in him. Well, if you have a player like that who can who can move the opposition around the place, it just creates so much space. Like we were critical of Gibson's inability, to, or get, not in his inability to to do anything, but he always tends to have players, uh, he had too many players around him recently for him to be able to do you know anything of significance. But if you're if you've got someone behind him who's moving the opposition, shifting their midfield and back four from left to right and making them think, it's it's a game changer for the likes of. Um, sorry, Jerry, I cut across you there. Oh, no, sorry, I beg your pardon. Um, no, look, um, fuck it, give the ball away every now and again. Well, that's it, yeah. yeah. I mean, maybe maybe he's told, play the 10-yard passes to yeah. those who are around you and don't. But, you know, if I saw him hooking... And I suppose, you know, as we built into the season, I think our ball retention wasn't brilliant um, in certain games. And maybe they were told just to be a, be a little yeah. bit more conservative with what you're doing. And go for the real simple stuff first. Um, so here, like here's here's to here's hoping to here's hoping we see a more expensive expensive game. I think maybe a lot of it though as well was that like everybody was on top form on Saturday night. Like we, you all know, we've all played in, in football matches and games. Like it doesn't matter what level you're at. Like when you're playing this, you know from the start of the game you're on it. Everyone is on it, and the, the freeze is bringing out little flicks and tricks. And Jordan is on little flicks, tricks. And you you're just looking for yeah. Today is our day, and you just everybody was brimming with confidence. Like I said, like half the team probably had their best game for us. Yeah. Uh, like the free, the free had his best game since he's at the club. Burn, I said Banks was close, Morhens was close, Kenny obviously with a hat trick. Like it's 
yeah. Blaney. Do you know what I mean? It was just everybody was outstanding. They were back to enjoying football. Like, yeah. 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 You know, and that's not to say, but I don't think balls played particularly bad here. Like uh, Dawson Devoid was doing his thing in the middle of the park. He was, you know, hitting some of those Pogba balls around the place, you know, just pinging balls around the place from time to time. So, like, I don't think it's like we capitalised on a shit balls performance. And, you know, I'd, I spoke to a couple of balls fans after the game and they think, they, you know, they were like, if, well, if if we converted the goal, the, the chances that they had in the first half, it could have been a very different game and it might, might well have been a very different game. Um, there was a, a sign-in announced um, yesterday by the club uh, on Wednesday, you're probably listening to this on the Thursday listener, um, and we have a bit of homegrown talent back in the squad, uh, and it's I suppose it's nice to see, isn't it, Sean? It's nice to see uh, some of our own or another another local and academy graduate uh, coming back into the fold. Yeah, of course it is. It's great to see Shami back, and it's a it's a win win for the club. You know, it's it's another promising talent coming coming through, and look, I'm sure he's eager to to stake his claim and get a move back across the water again. So that'll only benefit the club because he has to produce great performances to get that move again. So yeah. I think we will benefit from it in the long run as well. So good move for both parties and let's see how it works out now. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> he was, when I was involved in coaching the Merville, he was in my kind of age group or he was the same age of the team that I was managing. So I, I was just chatting to you on the street, McGill. What I saw of him, there was just nothing to, he couldn't be touched um, when he was playing with his peers in Sligo He was just an incredible player. And you saw him, you saw bits and pieces of him uh, playing with the academy, McGill, is that right? Uh, yeah, I did, yeah. I saw him playing with the academy, he was excellent. He was excellent. I remember, and, and also, Julian O'Connor, when he was with Ben Bulman, <clears throat> I saw him with Sligo Leitrim playing against Donegal and Calf Monaghan and all these, and nobody could touch him. He was head and shoulders above anybody. I actually remember the first day seeing him um, Conor O'Grady said to me, um, watch out for this film go in midfield for Sligo He was this was when he was Sligo Um Jamie Kyo, he says, he said, this lad is definitely going across the water. So he's outstanding. And he just ran the show, like short pass, long pass, yeah. touch and go, everything. Like he was nobody could get near him. Nobody, I mean literally nobody could get near him for the game. Yeah. Every time he hit the ball, he was in acres of room, however he managed it. He'd be the best player in the park. You know, and lads were chasing around the place and stuff, but they couldn't get anywhere near him. Yeah. Anytime we played against him, or my lads played against him, he didn't. He didn't do a lot of movement. He was just constantly moving within a twenty-yard area. You know, yeah. it's not like he was. But it was, there was no uh, long busting runs around the place. It was just move, pick it up, ping, move, pick it up, ping it here and yeah. there, pick it there. So I mean, I know when he was with them, he was obviously signed by Southampton from Ben Bulban. Um, and he, he played under 23s, up to under 23s, and he played in various positions. I mean, I only ever seen him in, a, in the midfield role, but I know he played fullback. But I, I would guess that he would be more of an attacking midfielder um, if if we get to see him in the starting 11, which I'm sure we will, um, at Rovers. So I, I presume that's where we can expect to see him. Well, anytime I see him, like he was a ball playing centre midfielder. So. Like I know people say that Southampton played him at right back and stuff. So I don't know. Um maybe I never saw that kind of aggression in him really. He was but maybe that's because no one could get near him. He didn't there was no he need did. for aggressiveness. Yeah, he, he couldn't you know. Yeah. yeah. But um but de- definitely a fine footballer anyway. So like there'll be no worries there, there'll be no issues when he got in and not being able to play ball. What yeah. say. Um probably call him a baller, so that's uh that's yeah, so, yeah. Okay, well, um, we look forward to seeing uh, uh, more Shane McHugh and the bit of red over the, the duration of the season. And um, I mean, I guess his, his ambition is to get back to England, so hopefully it all it all works out. Or 
uh, to play at a higher level anyway. So hopefully it all works out for the player, the club, and uh, wherever he might go. So um, Magoo and Sean, you sat down and you had a good chat with uh, Rovers midfielder uh, Greg Bulger. I spoke to him for uh, about uh, 40 minutes or so. Um, he's um, he's good guy to chat to. Good, uh, good chat with him, yeah? The character. Yeah. I'll give you that. <laughs> yeah. He's honest. And no, Greg was top lad. So it was. Great chat with him. Very yeah. good. Just, um, just giving us all the details on his career and everything else. And very honest about it. And it's interesting yeah. to listen to. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So here's our, our interview with, uh, with Greg Bulger. Greg, how are things, pal? Fair play to you for joining us tonight. How are you keeping? All good. All good. Yeah. Thanks for having us. Been a long time coming, I suppose. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. Been waiting a long time to get a chat with you, pal. So we have. Yeah. How are you settling in? Yeah, I suppose as one legend would say, welcome to heaven, you know. <laughs> but, um, no, yeah, really enjoying it. Obviously, on outside of the football, uh, Sligo's a lovely place, a lot of scenery. And um, pretty about the weather now. Because we have four seasons in one day, I suppose, you're up here. Didn't know that coming up here. But um, on the football front, no, we're doing great, ain't we? Um, we've started really well. And uh, it's, it's it's enjoyable. It's, it's like obviously coming up here from the start, going into the kind of unknown how it'll go. Obviously, we when we got in, got settled, and seen preseason, seen the lads, and seen the team. I'm thinking, yeah, we'll be all right here. We're a good team, but um, maybe couldn't have. To be honest, probably mightn't have seen where we where where we are now on the table. But um, geez, we've been brilliant. Obviously, the last two weeks we have disappointing results. We're disappointed, but. Obviously, on the back then, I was still on. You had a great performance, great team performance, and um, look, uh, it's yeah, it's going very well. And hopefully, you can we can stay that way, yeah. And come here, Greg. We'll go right back to the start with you. You kicked off with UCD, wasn't it? UCD, yeah. And UCD, tell us, yeah. Well, before that, did you play in with any Dublin clubs or anything like that? You know, the schoolboy teams or where were you playing? Yeah, no, your I would have played. I would have played with uh, my local club, New Ross Celtic, and I would have played then with um, the Wexford Wexford Youths. But they wouldn't. They were all inter county. They didn't have a electricity league team then. Um, that's how old I am. Jesus but um, so I would have been there when I was up to I was about 16, 17, and then I went to play with Cherry Orchard for a year up in the schoolboy Dublin schoolboy league in Cherry Orchard for yeah. I played for a year there, and then after that then. Obviously, being in Dublin, the scene in Dublin, I was offered uh, to go play with UCD. Um, I was offered a scholarship. There was like, you know, the UCD, they do trials every every year, bring in new new players, whatever. And there were seven of us picked. And I think uh, there, was, there was three of us that didn't have enough points to do a certain certain course. So Pete Mann was the manager at the time. Martin Russell would have been um, the under-21s manager and stuff assistant coach people was like um yeah we want to sign you at grand but um with the points and all that there's trees in the same position but don't worry about that we'll um we'll get you in get you into the club no problem get you to do a plc course maybe for a year and then go in and do your course so yeah that was grand all signed and then uh, once we were signed Pete turned around and said there's no plc course it hasn't been for the last 10 years we just wanted you in like, <laughs> so <laughs> So to be fair to him then, that was that was that. But he got us into a course then. I think it was like an FBI Force course in Rings End. So we're doing that. I did that for two years. It was great because I had full time football. You know, I was going in every day. Obviously, there was like uh, gym instruction courses and uh, 
VTAC to add on to your uh, your leaving sort and stuff like that. And then obviously being in with the, being in with uh, UCD. So I was getting good first team football from an early age, which I, which really things stood to me. You know what I mean? So I was going in every day. Matt Russell then was the was the he was ahead of the FBI Falls course. So um, obviously he would have seen my progression, and he would be able to go back to Pete Man to say how Greg is doing every week. He would have seen me every week. So, but it was great to get that that schooling straight away, you know. And then it was in UCD, yeah, UCD for four years. First year, I think I played one or two games with the first team, maybe two or three, maybe when I broke in. But that, that year, they got got relegated. So then Pete Mann left, and then we had whatever we got a got a team together, and we won the end up winning the first division. And then I think I played did I play another year then, year or two, with UCD in the Premier Division then, and then went to Nundalk then. You had some quality players though in that UCD. We had a serious team. We had a serious team. Like, I'll just name off a few. You had Andy Boyle, you had the two Macmillans, Ed Macmillan, Dave Macmillan, you had Paul Corrie and myself. You had um, Paul, who else? Ronald Finn, you had Keith Ward, you had Kenny, or Kieran Kilduff. I'm probably missing a few as well. All lads have gone on to have serious careers in the League of Ireland and beyond. So, uh, it was a really good team. And if you're, you count all the kind of the, the trophies and accolades that group of players have since. Since we broke off and went off, it's, it's 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 right up there. I think I was reading an article there a few months ago of how successful them that group was, and it's it's amazing to see how how um how such good careers everyone kind of had, you know. But um, there were great days because you know there was no pressure. <laughs> you go out and express yourself. There's no fans heckling you in the background. There was none of that. Go out and play 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 your game development, and you're going out fearless because you're a young lad and you're going up against big clubs. Sligo, Shelburne, all these teams with top players, and you're a young flick coming in thinking you're the dog's bollocks, because uh, obviously you, you don't you don't see that side until you move on. You know the fans and the club and what it means and players and managers livelihoods are on the line. There's no pressure, so it was great. It was a great learning curve, but then once you left, you realise right this is the, this is the real business. You know what I mean? Like I said, people's jobs are online, and you have to you have to perform. You know, but it was a great schooling for me. And uh, really enjoyed my time at UCD, you know. Yeah, because I was always wondered what's the expectation with them, you know what, what do, when you sign for them, what do they expect of you? Like, is there any ambitions for the season, or is it just a case of getting you blooded through and getting you as much experience on the pitch as possible? Yeah, I think it's a, it's, it's a bit of that. Um, obviously, when I went there first, I would have been playing under twenty threes, twenty ones, and twenty threes before I got into the first team. I think I got in the first year, or maybe it could have been the second year. I got into around the first team. But it was just a case then with Pete Mann and that group was probably to stay up. The division was really strong. And then um, stay up and just play a style of football. There was no pressure. The pressure was just coming from the manager to play well, perform, and uh, and see how it goes. I wouldn't have been think case where if it was a good if you had a good start to the season, you might be a case where you push for Europe. But the start of the year was to go out and obviously plug young players in. With it. back then they had a few first team players that weren't in the college, they were paid. So it was just a case of for me, when I came into running, so I only seen the, the the start of that or the end of that, sorry, and then started out in the first division. And the whole Pete Pete Mann left, Matt Russell took over, and just basically got kind of all the first team players were moved on, and it was just the younger group. So it was kind of a case where the free shot, like you know, and went. I think who was in that first division? It would have been a good shell team, Sporting Fingal's first year, and then we won that. We won the first division, and then we went into the Premier Division, and. I think before the break, I think we could have been fourth in the league. We started really well. 
And then um, then we all went on a holiday to Ayanapa. We came back. We didn't win a game for about. <laughs> <laughs> didn't win a game for about five games. But um, no, it was really it was really good um good experience, and it was just a case where with Martin and and Dermot McAnally and everyone involved, UCD was like, here, here's our shop window. If we could make money, if we have a few cash cows here to sell on, and develop your develop as a player. And um, see where it goes. It's up to you. But if you want to take the opportunity, because let's be honest, the others were such a good, big, good pool of players that if you bought that, there was more players to come in. So it was kind of up to yourself uh, what you wanted to do or what you wanted to get out of it. There was all the strength and conditioning. Everything was there. It was top notch, really top, like really top uh, facilities, and everything was there for you. You know, so um, it was a great school, uh, great schooling for me. And uh, yeah, we, it was really a really enjoyable time. And you mentioned there you move on to Dundalk then, isn't it? Yeah, Jesus, I had a terrible year at Dundalk. Jesus Christ. I um I went to I was there was look at the time there was rumors I was there was Blackpool were in England were on were were on to onto the UCD about it. They were in the uh, league or the championship and there was kind of rumors and my kind of head was I think it was what I was twenty two, twenty three and I was like all for it and Martin was like, Look they're not being on, they've inquired, blah, blah, blah. Just keep playing your football, this, that, and the other. And then they got, um, so I was kind of like, head was like, obviously young, I was like, right, Jesus, you know, buzzing with that. Yeah. But um, then uh, then they got promoted to the Premier League, didn't they? So the whole pool of players, Calvary went up, you know what I mean? Who they're looking for, who they're bringing in and stuff. So that did nothing materialise from that. And it was a case then where I was going to go, I was at an age where I felt I could get first team football somewhere. And I actually signed for Lean Buckley then with Sporting Finger. And I was only there for three weeks and the club went belly up. So then, and I was, I was, I was carrying an injury then. I didn't do, I think I missed the two weeks in pre-season in Sporting Finger. And literally then it was an option where players had to break off. I, if you remember it, where players had to go out and Rona Finn was there, Shawnee Williams, there was loads of lads, Gary O'Neill, the striker, Colin Hawkins. It would have been a serious squad there, a serious team yeah. there put together. And uh, so everyone was kind of just let go. So the case, right, where are we going to next? Then it was either Dundalk or Bose, Pat Fennin or Ian Foster. And um, Dundalk then were full-time. Bose were after going back to part-time. So it was a case where, right, I'd go to Dundalk and uh, get the full-time full -time football. So that was my aim, to get involved in that. Uh, but um, it didn't go so well. I started, I had an injury going into the season and I just never got a pre-season under my belt. And it was, it was awful. I had, well, how many games I played? I played a lot of games. But I, I probably had a handful of good games. The rest, I was just fighting injury, trying to get fit. And I wasn't fit. And probably Dundalk, from, Dundalk fans wouldn't probably have fond memories of me because I didn't have a great year, which doesn't bother me too much anyway. But, um, <laughs> Who was manager yeah. up there at the time? Ian Foster. Ian Foster was a manager up there. He would have been the manager at Galway as well. And then he went there. But a great team. We had a great team. Was Faz there like, then? Faz was gone then, I think. Faz I think he has came in the year, year after. But uh, we had a great team, Jesus. You know, we had, had Peter Cherry in goal with uh, Michael Michael Hector thrown for the yeah. training Sheffield Wednesday here. Yeah. He, had a, he had a good, good career playing in Germany. We had Colin Hawkins, we had Ross Gaynor, we had Keith Ward, Mark Quigley, Jason Bourne, Danny Kearns. Jesus, we had a great team. We had a great start at 11, but we had no squad. So if you were injured, you were going out on one leg kind of thing. There was no squad there, you know. Probably missing a few there, but uh, I uh, had a terrible year and one I wanted to forget. Anyway. And that's when you link back up then with Liam Buckley. With, with Liam, then 
Yeah, to be fair to Liam, he always said, look, if he gets back into another job, because obviously he was a straw the way the thing went, the sport thing got, so he was kind of a case where, look, if I get another job in the near future, I'll be on to you and I'll look after you and obviously think you're a great player, all this, you know, so it was a case then. After that year done off, I was like, right, I need to get out of here and start fresh. And uh, then when then Liam got the Pats job on the after Pete Mann, I think it was, and he was assembling the squad, Trevor Carley was with him, and um, it was mad, it was loads back then it was there was no like everyone was kind of only on one year contract so it was kind of a merry run I think it's that are settling down a bit now obviously there's still a lot of players going everywhere after seasons and stuff but back then but then you look at it then in the in the train FBI training camps and all they do in the summer there was players there was James Chambers I think myself there was Kenny Brown I think John Russell I think John Russell was the Atsloy guy he could have been Atsloy at the time when he signed for a patch I'm not sure but there was a lot of lads out of contract and we got a serious team together and obviously had four great years then there at Pats and um, probably when I played my best football to be fair under under Liam at Pats and won the league and won the cup in them four years it was a great it was a great time yeah you came in just after we won the league you came you signed for them in in the off season of 2012 wasn't it you I'm weren't there sure. I, you weren't I, there I was, you went with Pat no. when we won the league weren't you now oh I was I was up in oh, the yeah. showgrounds when he won Mark really pointing that penalty I thought it was the season after you played for him. How, just actually, because I was interested to hear that, because we have all the lads that have played in that game have been on mm. the pod and everything, and, you know, they talk about the ecstasy and how it felt that day, and it's been amazing. But how did it feel from a Pats perspective? Because you were in touch and distance of it as well, and if you did win that game, God knows what happens then. Yeah, we kind of knew that going into the game, that if we won it, we'd have a chance. And basically what we needed to win, like the pressure was on us to really, like, like try and catch you, so... It was a case where we went up and, Jesus, I remember the game because I was whipped off at half time. Um, <laughs> I remember it well, but it was a case where, obviously, static for, for Sligo fans, for us, it was a sickener. But um, it was a case where, right, lads, it was a case where the conversation was, look look at the joy and all that, and fans running onto the pitch. Obviously, we were on the opposite side, so we're like, that's our motivation. We want that next year. You know what I mean? We don't want that feeling again. And that kind of drove, drove us on and, Ironically, then it was the other way around. That's <laughs> mad how it goes, isn't it? The other way around, then it was in same past them when we bet Tiger Rovers at the time, and yeah. that was us winning the league. Like it's mad how it went full circle. And did, then did you, kinda... did you score that nice, Greg? Was that the nice? I did. I did. I did. I did. Yeah, I did. I did. Shanks yeah. and I remember. Yeah. No, it was great. That was a great day for us. Obviously, one of my best days of football as well. Like because that was that was my first ever Premier Division title, and it was a case where and then being involved in scoring a goal, which I wouldn't have scored that many. So, um, sweet one against Gary Rogers, yeah, I remember. And uh, then I think Anto Flood scored the second, 2 0. But it's mad how it went, how we, the year before, we lost, like, we basically not lost it because he had it, but we, um, like, basically, when he won, that was it. But us, he won it. And then, other way around, then, when in, in Richmond, then a year later, probably around the exact same time, nearly, it was the opposite way around. So, it's mad how it works, but uh, it was great, yeah, great, great. Great being on the, on the right side of it. And tell us, like, you speak there about how successful you were at Pats and everything, Greg, and obviously under Liam Buckley. How influential has he been in your career? Yeah, well, like, it's mad. When I think about it again, when I think, I was only thinking about it today there, the other day, I was like, it's mad how it goes. I think under Liam, I probably played my best football um, under him because he just gives you that, he gives, he puts respons- responsibilities on you and he's probably put more on me now coming to, coming to Sligo. Which which I kind of thrive on, I think. Um, I've played in other teams where managers want certain things. They want you to do this, 
obviously in Cork with John Caulfield, he wanted you to do a certain thing for the team. There was no problem. I always do that. But probably didn't see the best of me. Obviously, yeah, like, and then with Stephen Bradley as well, then at Shamrock Rovers, they, I had a certain role in the team when I was playing and I could, this is what I had to do. While with Liam, I'm only looking back on it and thinking now it's like, oh, I'm really enjoying my football at the minute. And look back then at Pats, it's probably the same. And it's only probably when my sister said it to me again, it's like, you're like you're playing your best football again under Liam. It's like you're back in Pats. And I didn't really think about it when I kind of thought about it then. I was just thinking, Jesus, yeah, you're probably right. But um, with Pats, he just, he gives, he puts the responsibility on the players and you need to, like, it's it's up to you, which is a good thing. And I think reflects the performances of, of us this year. He just puts, he, like, he obviously sets up his team. He wants us to play a better way, but he puts a lot of trust on you and what you bring to the table is what you bring. So, and I'm just looking back to the past days as well. It's probably similar. And then, like I said, that's why I think under Liam, I probably played my best football at Pats. And I like to think now it's mad. Whatever, 32 years of age, I really enjoy me football. Still think there's more in me as the season goes on. Hopefully that'll be the case. But um, I probably enjoy me football again. He just he's get, Obviously, when Sligo, he's given me more responsibility because I'm probably more of an experienced player and stuff like that. And the journey I've went on and I'm here now and stuff. But uh, I think it's a case there where I'm enjoying it and I'm not restricted to what I can do. So um, for me, I, I'm, I'm really enjoying me football and he's been a big influence for me, yeah. And just when you was- were... Sorry, go on, have a go. No, I was just I was just gonna say it must feel great as a player to have the trust of a manager like that. That's... Yeah. Yeah, no, to be fair, to be fair, I have I've had the trust from other managers, all right. But like in a way, tactically how we set up, this is what we want you to do in other teams and whatever. Obviously, John Caulfield's football was probably a bit pragmatic where it's more direct and it was a case where you've not probably seen the best of me, but that's here and there was probably the best for the team, you know what I mean? So um, and then with Stephen Bradley it was it was the same again. Obviously we played more football under Stephen Bradley, and my job was to get the ball, give the ball to Jack Byrne. Um, that was my job. You know what I mean? So it was a case where I could probably play the ball. Well, no, I take that back. I couldn't play some of the balls he played, but I couldn't like I could play a diag if I want. If I like if I I could play the diag, but it was a case where I don't play the diag. Just get the ball to Jack. Well, now Liam is probably whatever you see, you do it. You know what I mean? I just trust fate in you, which is great. So now it's a case where. I think I'm back playing. I'm back near what what uh, my best football is. So um, it's good to have that trust, yeah. And does he give the same? Does he give that same trust and uh, to the young fellas as well? I presume he does. Like, but well, you know, you look if, if Niall wants to go on the pitch, is it is it is Niall give the ball to Greg or Niall could just express himself as well? No, no, he does. He puts the faith in everyone. The thing with Liam is he wants to play a bit design and he doesn't want lads running with the ball unless you're in the final third. So, like, he, he always goes back to a case where. Be easy to read when you're on the ball. Don't like if we're at the back, around the back, or in the middle. Don't be running away. No one knows what you're going to do with the ball. You're running with the ball. Unless you're in the final third, you have the freedom to do what you want. And um, and then obviously I think the lads coming in like Walter, Jordan, even Mark Byrne, uh, Niall, like and they they buzz off that. You know what I mean? Because I'm sure the lads have been in teams before where they're told, like I said previous, that like this is what you have to do. You know, don't do this, don't do that. So, but it's a case where Liam wants you, basically, you're in your own half or anything like that, don't be running with the ball, be easy to read, and then it's a case then, and that's why Liam wants to play football, and it, it makes sense, you know, so then in the final third, if you see something or you want to beat someone, off you go, you have the license to do it up there, you know, but um, I think he's really good with the young lads, with Niall and Mark, because you, you know yourself, he's put the fame, he's put them in, obviously Niall has been playing anyway, but like Mark and Johnny Kenny coming in, 
and uh, putting all the faith in him. And I think the lads are repaying him with their performances. They've been brilliant, you know. And Greg, just touching there on the responsibility you were talking about that Liam gives you, was it, is it, was it frustrating with the likes of John Caulfield and Stephen Bradley that they kind of restricted you in, in terms of your play? Did that frustrate you? Like, when you look at the way Caulfield sets up his teams, like when, when I say new sign for Cork, I couldn't see any sense in it at all from a play aspect. I would have assumed you'd go to a more free-flowing football inside. Yeah, well, you know, yeah. financial dictations and everything else, like you know, you couldn't turn down a, a move to Cork, like, but just in terms of the responsibility, then for you, was it frustrating? Uh, well, there's yes and no. <laughs> the reason why I went to, to these places is to win, and regardless, it's, it wasn't about me or whatever. I, I kind of got to a stage where right, England was probably gone for me, probably too old that kind of way. So it was like a case where right. Where am I going to win a trophy? Where is where is my best chance of winning, regardless of what the football was? So that was my that was my talk, and I was with Pats for four for four years, and I think we were kind of going a bit backwards. And uh, I was thinking on Doc, obviously, like I've played in the league with Doc all the time when they've they've been up there thereabouts, and the next team to that was Cork. So I was like, right, so if I'm not signing for Dundalk. And like, look, I've no loyalties anyone. I'm from Wexford. At the time, we had no League of Ireland team. So I was a case, I want to win. So I was a case, right, I'm going to Cork. I'm looking at Cork there as a hungry group to have them won that. And they're on the course for winning something or doing something. So I was thinking, right, I want to go there because I feel I could help the, help the team and have a chance of winning something. Obviously, when we went down at the time, we said Kenny Brown went down, probably one of the best and a half I played with football, football terms. John was telling it to us that, look, we're going to, Play, play a bit more football this year and we want you to come in and help us doing that. Obviously, the first year, we played really well, but it was probably the best on dog team. We came second, but it was probably, uh, obviously, the, sorry, the years we, before we signed, they were coming second, I think twice. Hmm. So they were like, and they were a hungry group of lads and I was thinking, they're mad to win something because they haven't won something. So I was like, I want to be a part of that. Uh, so the case then, the first year we went down, we did play a lot of football, good football, but we didn't win. And, but we got through three rounds in Europe to the third round in Europe and we won the FAI Cup. So then the second year then it was probably a case where Kenny Brown left, a few other lads came in and probably John looked at it as in like we didn't win the league. We probably played too much football so we kind of probably went back to that that thing where get it forward, get it up to Shawnee Maguire, get it up to Tara Shepard, get it up to duty as quick as possible, bypass midfield for all the world's books would have been there, Garrow Morrissey, Conor McCormack were on the front foot and that was a case where like whatever, this is what the manager wants, this is what he wants, whatever. Yeah, it was a bit frustrating for me because I felt like I could have done more, but it didn't matter to me either. Then the other side of it is, you want to win something. So, yeah. um, and then obviously with Shamrock Rovers then as well, Stephen Bradley probably plays the football that I'd be more used to or like, whatever. And um, I wouldn't say that he didn't put faith in me and, or trust in me in that. He did it. Jeez, he gave me loads of responsibilities. And that team over the last two or three years has been a lot of leaders, a lot of characters. So there was probably responsibility shared, you know. And, um, but, and I think, I think last year, like, obviously it was only eight game league and stuff, but it's probably one of the best football inside I've been in with bar, bar packs. And it was a great football inside. And obviously we had top, top players. And obviously Jack Burnham on top form was probably one of the best players I played with as well. So it was a case where I don't think they didn't put trust in me, but they, they knew what I'd bring apart from the football side of the things. I like to think that I'd be able, I'd be able to do the other side as, as well. So I wouldn't say it was frustrating. But then, like, sorry, then come back then, why I was leaving Cork was because I probably thought, well, here's Sam McGrover's in the same position as Cork now, coming close. And Stephen Bradley has a, has a 
like a vision to go and win something. He's getting better, better players in. He got basically the whole squad changed. Far probably think Pico Lopez. He wanted his players in. I was like, right, here's another hungry group that wants to do well and wants to win things. So I want to be a part of that. That's my next chance of winning something. So that's that's why I went. And obviously Stephen plays good football. And to be fair, got hands on the trophy again, luckily enough. So um, so yeah, so that. That, that answers your question, me rambling on there, sorry. And is that is that the same thinking then when, when Liam came in again, or was it just the chance to link back up with Liam? Or is, or is the win is the winning of trophies always at the forefront of your mind as well? That you're you're not just gonna go down there because Liam's there, the club has to be progressing and has to have a chance of winning things. Yeah, no, hundred percent. I'm not gonna lie to you. When when I was told I was leaving, like when there was no contract there for me at Shamrock Rovers, I was thinking, Jesus. But it's probably last chance to maybe win something because I was thinking, um, looking at Dundalk last year and then Shamrock Rovers thinking they're going to sign again. Obviously losing Jack and Aaron McInniff. I didn't think they'd lose Aaron McInniff at the time. That it's probably might be them two again. So I was thinking, and that's not sounding arrogant or anything, but I was kind of thinking wherever I go next mightn't be a chance of winning something. You know what I mean? Uh, might be my best chance of winning something, I'd say that. So then obviously when I, when I heard that then and uh, we had a meeting about three weeks before the season ended saying, look, obviously in the, in the room with Stephen and Stephen McPhail and they were telling me, like, look, we're not going to give you a different contract. We're going to go a different way. And yeah, I was, I was, I was snapping, like I was going mad. And it was kind of a case where, look, that's football. It's like, they're, obviously they're saying your age, your injury. Obviously you only played about five games last year. And um, stuff like that. And obviously thanking me. It wasn't a case where it was, it was a good conversation. It was... Everything like basically saying thanks very much for helping the group develop over the years, stuff like that. Big part of the dressing room, blah, like all that stuff. And it was a case where I was like, right, I think he's making a mistake, but that's football anyway. And um, so then it was a case where, right, where am I? Where 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 can I go next? What can I do? What's the opportunities? First of all, anything in the back of my mind, will I have an opportunity? Will 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 managers put faith in me after coming back from a leg break? Uh, not playing, not missing out, basically, only playing five games in the season. All that kind of came into my head. So I was like, Jesus, probably the first time I've been in this position where um, I'm not sure where I'm going. So the case then, obviously, over the years, I've always kind of had my contract signed either or something sorted before the season was out. The only way managers can speak to players before whatever, there's three or four months left in the season, you're allowed to talk if your contract's up. So it's kind of the first time where I didn't have anything sorted. So it was kind of a bit, not limbo, but then I was just thinking, Jesus, will I even get a contract anyway? But um, then obviously, I've, I've, there's a few managers on to me. I got my name out that, look, I'm not signing, I won't be signing back for Shamrock Rovers, that I'm available. So it was kind of, obviously, there's a few managers on to me. And then Liam was on to me, Liam got on to me then. And I was supposed to meet him, I don't know what, probably I, was, I had arranged to meet other managers. And then Liam was on to me, like, let me meet you, let me meet you. You know, Liam now, I don't want to meet any other managers, hear me out. And um Liam was rang me probably every year for the last eight years after every year. I goes, Liam, I have a two-year deal here. Okay, 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 okay. <laughs> to be fair, and that's why I went and met Liam because he's always rang, he's always rang me. And uh, it was a case where I, I'll, I'll meet you, Liam. And uh, I think it was like the Sunday was the cup final. We lost the cup final on the Sunday. And obviously we were drowning our sorrows on the Monday. It's Sunday, the Monday and the Tuesday. But I met Liam on the Wednesday and uh, in Dublin. And it was a case where, look, I don't want to go and meet any managers. I want you to sign. I goes, Liam, I goes, they were good enough to ring me. I need, I, like, I want to go meet them. You know what I mean? They were good enough to ring me. and get, I want to give them me time and stuff. And he's like, no, 
Liam and Sal signed on Arab, I tell you. But uh, so then he's telling me, you know, what he what he, he wants the players he's kind of getting in and what he wants my role to be in the team, helping young lads and bringing your experience to the group and most of all your performances getting back. And to be fair to Liam, he put all the faith in me because there was probably a bit of doubt about my injury. I was still in the middle of my rehab. So I was like, hey, I swear, like, look, this man's either putting all the faith in me. I probably don't need to go meet any other manager. He was telling, obviously, knowing Sligo over the years, the history, the club, it's kind of like a family, community club, which was probably what I experienced down in Cork. So, and I really enjoyed that as well. So I was thinking all these factors came into it. But the main thing was he put the faith in me when probably other managers mightn't have over my injury, my age, all that. But um, And he was telling me, obviously, the players we signed and what he was looking to do. Did I think uh, we'd be where we are now? Probably not, to be honest with you. But then when we got in pre-season, I was looking around the lads that were here, obviously, from last year. Obviously, that was another factor as well, how, how kind of probably bad he started last year and the way he finished. Showed to me, like, a lot of character in the, in the squad and the team. Um, he told me he was going to be moving on a few. And this is who he's kind of looking to go in or get in. So it was a case where, like, yeah, but you know what? That's probably, that's, that's a bit of me. I'll, I think I'll enjoy that. And it's a different challenge. So uh, it was a case then when I came into pre-season and seen the lads, seen the squad we have, and I was thinking, Jesus, we're all right here. We've, we've good players. We've dangerous players, good players. And uh, the big thing with Liam last year, he's on about, like, uh, the style of football where he felt he probably didn't have the bodies to go pressing teams and high tempo and stuff like that. You know better than me watching Troy go more, more so every week. And it was a case where he wanted to get back to that, and he's probably picking me brains out of what way other teams did and other managers. Obviously, having chats with John Russell and stuff like that and what way we're going to go. And um, so one of the case where I kind of need to tell me what we're going to do was kind of like, yeah, I can relate to that. I kind of know what we're going to do and I can be that, be the kind of voice on the pitch to, to help lads. And obviously for myself, but the first thing for me getting up here was get fit, get me, have no setbacks. Because literally when I came back pre-season was probably the first bit of hard run I've done in about five, six months. I know I got back last year with G playing, playing against G in the semi-final uh, and the final, but I wasn't fit. I knew I was leaving. I put my name forward because I wanted to play. I wanted to go out with a trophy if I could. I had no business being on the pitch against you or no business being in the cup final. But um, we were down bodies and it was a case where I could have been I could have been probably sour that I wasn't getting a contract off, even though I knew three weeks previous to it. But I was like, nah, I want to go out on a high kind of thing, finish. And even though I wasn't fit at all, I did, my rehab was pushed forward. And it was a case where I was just like, nah, I desperately on the pitch. But then I was like, I don't want to let the lads down either and get on and be a bag of shite, you know what I mean? So, uh, but like, Stephen Barry's like, no, we know. At the end of that conversation, that dressing room, or that time in one got, like, look, I'm not going to throw no ties at the pram. Football's football, that's the way it goes. But like, I'll be ready if you need me. And it was a case where we did get a few injuries and stuff. So he was asking me, like, what do you want to do? We'd like to have you to play. So he's like, me being stubborn, me, he's like, yeah, I'll be ready. Nowhere near ready. Well, mad to get out onto the pitch, you know what I mean? So it was a case where, um, yeah, that's the way I've gone. But then obviously getting up here, I was thinking, geez, we'd be all right anyway. The team we had, the pre-season went well. There was no injuries. Liam was, was cautious of that. We we gradually built it up because obviously he had these terrible injuries last year. So he was really conscious of that. So it was a case where I get a good pre-season in, don't go mad too early and progress and be ready for the start of the season. And uh, to be fair, it's, it's gone well. It's gone well so far, and hopefully we can keep going now and keep pushing on and keep keep driving the team. And 
keep trying to get results. The league is mad this year. Anyone could, it's, every game is different. Like, I'm probably more worried about this long for a game next week than I am than one it was against Post because every team is different. Everyone's fit. Teams are well organized. And there's just no easy games anymore, especially not this year. And um, so, please God, uh, please God, we keep going and keep, keep the standards high for ourselves, you know. Absolutely. And Greg, like, how did you find it when you did come back from the injury into pre-season with us? Like, were you a bit tentative coming back into it or was it full steam ahead? Uh, you, look, you know myself, I am always full steam ahead regardless of what I'm doing. But it's like, look, I've been lucky enough over the years not to have any bad injuries. And um, this is probably my only bad injury that I ever got. Like, so, and I was getting it so late. Like, and when I got it, I was thinking there's doubts here. Like, I might never get back here. Like, do you know what I mean? And then I was like, you know, like I was kind of taking all sorts. Is that it for me? So, uh, so I was kind of coming back then, and there's a case coming up here as well. I was like, like I was even speaking to my family. He goes, I don't want to come up here now. Like the clubs after offering me like a year contract there, putting faith in me, the manager, the club, the board, and like I just don't want to come up and not be fit and not play. And like, do you know what I mean? They're being good enough to do that. I want to pay them back. That was my thought process. So. I was thinking, like, don't come up here now and be a bag of shit and, like, just let yourself down and everyone. You're like, no way, that's the way I was thinking. So, at the start, I was like, I'm not going mad here. Like, I'm gradually going to build it up, build it up. And um, so, uh, I did. I was, like, that was probably the first hard run I did. I did, obviously, all your exercises, all that stuff, all the rehab that I needed to do. I got that in over Christmas. I didn't even stop. I had to keep going to get ready for pre-season. And to be fair, I've been so lucky. I, have, I haven't got no reaction. I've had a few niggles here and there. Obviously, I still think I'm in the building process of getting back my right leg fully, like as in that power. But other than that, I've been really lucky from that side of things. Touch wood, as it touched me head. But um, <laughs> but it was a case where I was a bit tentative at the start, and it was just a case of gradual build up, really, you know. And tell us, what does the future hold so for you? For what's what's for the who? plan like? You know, I. After playing-wise and all that. I know you've got yeah, years ahead of you yet now. I have another five years in me, I'd say. I, don't, I can't run anyway, so it's grand. <laughs> <laughs> but um, no, look, uh, obviously before before COVID and all that, I was doing UEFA B. I think I'm, I'm probably going to stay in football, to be fair, because it's probably all I know. And, like I said, I went to Dublin when I was 17 and all I knew was football and I just, whatever, happened to make a half, half decent career out of it. And uh, it's probably a case where I probably want to give back the knowledge that I've probably gained over the years and stuff like that, get back to the, to the young lads developing stuff. Obviously, I've been in a, in with the 15s here in Sligo and I think I'm, before that, I was doing my UFAB before COVID came, I had to sit a final assessment, COVID came and then, so I had to lay that. Then I was supposed to do it again and then I broke my leg. So it was a case where, right, I'll put that on the back burner and just concentrate on getting back. So it was like one case at a time. So now that I'm probably back to where, where I like to be, it's probably a thing that I'm gonna get 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 um get going now, get going on that and get me badges and stuff like that. So um that'll probably be the case. I'm probably gonna stay in football. But I'm thinking, I don't know, the body's not giving up on me yet anyway. So I think um you never know, you might have uh, another year or two of me. Well I think most Rovers fans are you know, are eager for you to stay on, you know, even yeah. in this early stages, like you've the fans have taken to you no end. You know what I mean? You've become a bit of a cult hero already straight away. There's there's no two ways about it with your performances on the pitch. You've given exactly what Rovers fans look in, in a footballer, you know? Someone who leaves yeah. it all out there and then brings quality on top of that. So yeah, I don't yeah. even got to experience the fans properly yet. I know a hundred no. here, here scattered, but 
how's the reception been even walking in around the town or that have you yeah no geez even like the club itself like even when I came in first you know Colin in the office anyone anyone Shane Cross and any of the lads did it all anything mm-hmm. I wanted or needed not that I wanted much but anything that I needed to get done to get settled and stuff they were, they were brilliant I couldn't speak highly enough of any, everyone in the club I'm not just saying that now I mean that and um They've been great, great to me. And then obviously walking around the fans, it's you know yourself it's a football man town, and because um, the guy are shite, and uh, so <laughs> <laughs> I had to get that in there. Sorry, but um, so yeah, we no, agree. but they are like they've been really, they've been really welcome. So um, geez, I can't can't speak highly enough for the people and the fans, and just obviously getting them back into the last two home games has been great, and um, hopefully we can get more in in time getting back in. But um, even just messages online and stuff like that, these have been overwhelming as well. How so look, that's what's it's probably on the back of how well we're doing on the pitch as well and stuff. And they can see that the team are giving a hundred percent, and like that's I suppose as fans, and that's all you really want, regardless of what way results or whatever are going. Is to see a group of lads, twenty-two lads, squad of twenty-two lads, giving everything for the club, for their club, they'll appreciate that. And I'm sure you can say the same yourself. That's all you kind of want, you know. So, but it's been it's it's been great. Um, obviously on the back of myself, staying here. Obviously, there's, I have a clause in my contract that if I play so many games, that there another year triggers. But it's a case where I'm not sure. I was always kind of thinking that I go like to go foreign somewhere and play a summer foreign experience. That um, to could that could be an option as well. But I've I've at the minute I'm just concentrating on. And I'm concentrating on that, but there's options there. But I'm just, I'm for me now, it's trying to do the best for Sligo and see where we go with, you know. No, absolutely. Look, and that's all we want to hear anyway. Yeah. So it is. So look, Magoo, do you have anything else? No, just just quickly, yeah. But I just wondered if you're if you were, um, I won't say maybe surprised, but taken aback at at the uh, amount of youngsters that were coming through into the first team squad, and. Uh, how well has done I suppose this year um, yeah no I'll be honest I'll be honest bar, bar Niall Moran I, I wouldn't have I wouldn't have known any lads I wouldn't have seen any lads and they could easily say it to you yeah yeah they're great I didn't know I, coming up here I didn't know Mark I didn't know Mark Byrne I didn't know of Johnny Kenny but, you know obviously when you're on bubble in a different team and stuff like that and you're probably looking at the young lads there or whatever team I was involved in so I didn't I didn't know but um and then when I was coming here, obviously we'd be good mate to Gary Buckley and we'd be chanting and I'd be asking if there any good young lads coming through. And he said, there's a few, yeah, there is a few. Like, but I goes, do you think they're going to make, do you think they're going to make an impact on the, on the first team? Like, I, said, I don't know. Like, I don't know if they're, if they're, if they're ready for that yet or anything. But and then as the preseason went on, I was thinking, Jesus. Thing with Niall, obviously I've, I've played against Niall last year and he's been in, in around the first team for the last year or two, isn't he? Or even more. Yeah. But, um, and obviously then Johnny Kenny's a little diamonds and pure raw. Like, you know, I was thinking, geez, he can score goals just in pre-season. But then it's kind of hard. You, you always find out in pre-season, you kind of, you don't be judging a player in pre-season too much because in training and stuff like that, because if lads ain't fully fit, you know, coming into the first few weeks of pre-season, Johnny's banging in the goals in pre-season. You're thinking, yeah, everyone's buzzing. I'm just thinking, right, give it another few weeks and I'll we make it. This is what I'm thinking now. Like, yeah. give it another few weeks. Is he still doing that when everyone else gets up to speed and stuff like that? And to be fair to Johnny, he has. But um, another player, then Mark Byrne, for me, came in. I thought he's been absolutely excellent. I think he's gone under the radar a bit. His performances, he does the simple things so well. He's he's press off the ball. For me, he's great. Helps my game. 
and he's just he's just quality. He just he, it probably goes unnoticed because he doesn't do the flashy things or anything like that. He does the simple things really well, and I think he's been probably since he's come in the last few weeks. And when he's been in at the start as well, sorry, but the last few weeks I thought he's been absolutely excellent. And um, then obviously you got the younger lads like Scott, Peter Maguire, Killian, and probably Jay as well. I'm probably could be missing one or two. All them lads want to do really well. They want to do well. They're they're not just here in the first team around training or anything like that. They want to come in and they want to get better, which is half the battle when you're that age. You know what I mean? You're not coming in thinking, oh yeah, I'm in the first team now. I'm just chilling here. Yeah, it's great. Like you know, getting Instagram posts. I'm in. I'm in with the first team. Them boys want to do well. Like you know what I mean? And they want to be. A, they want to be players, which is half the battle at that age. And I'm sure it's only going to be better for them being in and around senior lads and stuff like that. So yeah, I probably was took back a bit by by some of the lads. And um, geez, and they've been brilliant. And it's a case where they're all kind of have level heads on them. They're not getting too far ahead of themselves. And it uh, they're an honest, honest, honest young lad. So um. I think that will stand to him, and like I said, they only want to get better, and I think they will. I just, I, was, um, I don't know, sorry, I don't know if you were listening to or uh, watching Croatia last night. Nice. Who were Croatia playing? Spain. Spain, wasn't it? And uh, Kenny Cunningham, Kenny Cunningham was on about Luka Modric and Brozovic in the centre of the park, and he was at yeah. you know the older and the younger dynamic, saying one was like Yoda and the other was like Luke Skywalker. <laughs> you're, 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 you're our Yoda. Who am I? I'm I thought you were going to say I was Luke Skywalker there. <laughs> <laughs> you're going by that. You're going past that, son. No, no. Young at heart. Young at heart. Stay young, what? Peter Pan. <laughs> no, but I uh, just... Uh, come here just quickly because you mentioned your own mate there, Gary Buckley. Did you know he had these performances in him as a centre half? Because, <laughs> uh, like, what's, what's the story there? He's turned into fucking Van Dyke. I was sorry... He played. He played centre midfield with you down in Cork, did he? Yeah, we would have played together. I would have got on really well with Gary down in, down in Cork. Um, he uh, he played the ten obviously in Cork. He would have been running challenge for uh, John Caulfield. And to be fair to, to Bucks, he scored some other goals. He I think he's nearly double figures nearly every year for about three years. You know what I mean? So see him going back playing centre half. But I think he was a centre half before he played in the ten. Single Bucks. Booked back then, not anymore. <laughs> he, he probably won't listen to this now. But uh, <laughs> he was, um, like he was, he's, he, he like he was a big, big part of the success down in, down in Cork. The way he played and what he, what John wanted him to do was getting box breaking lines, getting into the box. He was obviously great with his head, and he, he scored some great goals. And he brought loads of energy to to what what John wanted. And then, but I think before that, and under and the underage, he was a centre half. But um, what I would have said back then. That when he played in the 10, I was like, you're never a centre half. And now he's playing in the centre half. I say, I'm saying to him, you're never a 10. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, but uh, no, obviously, Bucks was always, I always kind of, when I was a cop, I always kind of liked to play with Bucks beside me as an eight, but he always played as a 10 because Bucks was comfortable, so comfortable on the ball. And I know the two of us could have played well together. I would have bounced, but we didn't really play that much because he was always the 10. But um, I'm not surprised how good he is on the ball, no. And we're surprised about his position and stuff like that and reading the game. Maybe a little bit, not reading the game, but as in, it's, it's totally different playing the 10 going to centre half, Absolutely, isn't it? And yeah. he just ducked, ducked the water. He's been brilliant, like, you know. Obviously, he's had a bad injury now and he's mad to get back. So, hopefully now in the next few weeks, we can get him back, get him back involved, you know. But, um, no, nah, no, nah, yeah, he's listening to this. No, nah, I wouldn't have thought he, the way he would have, would have been in centre <laughs> half. <laughs> Look, come here. We've taken up enough of your time now this evening, so we have. Thanks yeah, a million for no coming problem. on though, Greg. Genuinely really appreciate it. So we have and look, it's been fantastic so far this season and 
Look long may I continue. Yeah, no, and, thanks for having us on, lads. Thanks for having us on. And you are right. Um Bradley didn't make a mistake. And Shannon didn't make a One hundred percent. Our gain though. Our gain. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, All right. Thanks, lads. <laughs> thanks for that. Thanks a million, Greg. Greg. All right, lads. Cheers. So that's Greg Budger. Uh, great to have him on the podcast and uh, thanks for his time. A really uh, engaging guy and um, a huge, um, huge character in the club. And um, here's to here's to many more seasons of uh, of Greg Budger in the midfield for Rovers. Um, but that's that's yet to be determined, I suppose. <laughs> OK, so. Uh, obviously, we've got long for coming up on Saturday. Um, oh, just before I forget as well, um, and I meant to say this in every podcast and it always slips my mind, but um, the Sligo Rovers Dublin Supporters Club, um, Gary McLean and the lads are always uh, selling golden goals ahead of uh, Sligo Rovers games. It's uh, five euros to buy three tickets and um, we encourage you to buy at least one set ahead of each game and um, you'll find them on Twitter. Um, DSC underscore SRFC I think is their handle and um, we'd, we'd encourage you to um, it's a great fundraiser for the club so to buy your golden goals from, from Gary and you can pay over Revolut or PayPal or he is different it doesn't matter where you are there's no excuses for you not to be um, throwing them in the fiver okay um, so before we move on to um, uh, Longford we'll just project ahead a little bit further um, so next Thursday we play our first European game um, we're uh, against our, the Icelandic opposition and um, so Jerry you just noticed that and it's it's kind of the trend I suppose in other smaller leagues around Europe that they give the leagues tend to give their teams that are competing in Europe every opportunity and every chance uh, ahead of their big European important European games and the Icelandic team have been given they've got a seven day uh, break from any competitive games before uh, we meet them, but that's not the case with us. No, and uh, look, it's two pronged. My my point in that, um, so HF play tonight. They're playing um, against Valor, um, so I'd say if there's anybody out there as well, you might be able to pick up the stream if you're interested in watching them. It's their last game before they the players says so like that. There's a seven day uh, buffer zone where they don't have any fixtures. But which is which is great gives them every opportunity. And the second point that I'd like to make on that is, why the hell are we not playing as in European teams playing Thursday night as well? Uh, and the point being is that there's absolutely no, no European uh, Championship football on tomorrow night. It's a good opportunity to get people to say buy the stream, watch the game, whatever the case may be, highlight the league. But no. Our game against Longford on Saturday night was up against um, England versus Ukraine. Yeah. It's just any rhyme or reason or sense in any way, shape or form. Um, and like to start, uh, I, uh, Sean, if you want to come in here, you actually made a good point off air as well, uh, just about the dates and stuff. Oh, yeah, where I was actually <laughs> jokingly saying that I think they've actually got the dates wrong, where our two-week break go, just takes place before the European Championship starts. Yeah. And I think they actually have messed it up, that the break was meant to be at the start of the, the European Championship, which it usually is. But can you imagine, though, can you imagine if um, there was no COVID or we had sorted COVID out in the country or whatever like that, and there was games going ahead in the Aviva? Can you imagine if there was a game, we'll just say, for example, this Saturday night, 
in the Aviva, the Ukraine were playing Czech Republic, whoever it might be, anyone, doesn't matter, were playing, and Bose were playing uh, Pats at the same time, a daily match or something like that. Like, can you imagine the nonsense of it? Like, it's yeah. just ridiculous Why did, how they do their scheduling and, and the, like the, it's like they don't even know. I'd say it's on a different page. The League of Ireland games are on a different page and they're just scheduling and stuff. Oh, yeah, is, is that everything? Yeah. Well, the gas on at this time, so we won't clash with that. And the rugby's on it. Oh, that's sound, yeah. And there you go. Right. Oh, it's, it's, it's only been the heat of us, like. If that was the case, the all the FAI dignitaries would would all be at that game. Yeah. Oh, no, would you? But I no think, can, can you imagine feeling like even even being the balls or the past players, like it's obviously hypothetical, but can you imagine them driving up to the game like and everybody else heading off to the even for this big mad game and they have to go down and play this down shitty old league game down here? So I mean, to make them just feel like shit in their own country, playing in their own league. Yeah, well, it, it, wouldn't, it wouldn't surprise me that that would happen. Yeah, you know, like the, the thing, the thing we were saying, what we were talking about, is the fact that in years previous, when there was either World Cups or European competitions on, and they they did schedule uh, mid-season breaks, it was during the group stages and like maybe the last sixteen or the start of the last sixteen of these competitions, but for some reason, not this year, which just fucking, I mean. Maybe there's a logical reason I, I for think, it. But... I think it's too coincidental that, that our, our two-week break just falls just short of the European Championships. They've definitely got their dates wrong. You can see it. Yeah. yeah. But, um, um, just to go back on to HF, Connor. Yeah. Uh, so, as I say, look, they're, they're playing tomorrow night. Um, they're away from the batter. Um, so, the last couple of games, they won 4 1 and they drew 1 all since the new manager has come in. So, I suppose the two games are unbeaten. They're in seventh at the moment. Um, and just when Jordo was on the podcast last week from uh, one up top, the, the Bose podcast, um, he was very, very confident of them progressing uh, beyond Star, Starnan. Starn? Like they, pretty, they were very confident that they were going to beat them, whereas we were. Like, oh, Jesus, lads, we're not going to get through rounds. There's not a hope we're going to beat this crowd, right? Yeah. And we go turn around and hammer bows 4 0. I don't know what that, I don't know what that, <laughs> yeah. well, probably feels an arrogance. That's probably, probably what it tells you. But I'd say the Icelandic fellas are probably thinking, hold on a second now. Yeah. Like, who's who's the team to worry about here? Yeah. We're actually giving them something to worry about, something to think about. Yeah, I agree with you there, Jerry. Which puts the the Longford game into greater significance as well to maintain, uh, you know, if if we, you know, if it's a shitty nil all draw there for argument's sake, uh, you know, it, we we'll be on the back foot again, or we'll be back to where we were, you know, two weeks ago, where we're, we're fearful of, you know, what's what's going to happen. I I think with regards to the Longford game, <laughs> well, that's what fans do, don't they? Dave? Well, yeah, yeah. I think with regards to the Longford game, though, I think we've just got to go out and make it as professional performance as possible. Win the game comfortably, like we did the last day we went up there. You know, we never really came out of second or third gear, got our win, got out of there. It was a tidy performance. I think that's just what we need to do again. Like, they will cause us problems. We know what game plan they're coming with. They're not coming with any quality, really, whatsoever. They're just going to work hard. Yeah, we've just got to be able to absorb that pressure and play out of it. And I think we've seen it against Bowes that we're more than capable of playing around a team that's going to press you. So we will, and I think we'll take the confidence from Bowes, and I, I do genuinely think we'll make it a comfortable enough performance. Yeah, um, there's something else there that I wanted to mention before uh, we went on any further, and um, 
Uh, I suppose just while we were talking about your, the European football there as well, just to remind you that um, the tickets can, supporters can buy their tickets to view the game um, on um, from the club uh, if you go to sligerovers.com. Um, in the news section there, they have an article about um, how we as supporters can um, obviously won't be travelling to Iceland, but we can access the game through a stream and there's stream tickets available for 15 euro um, and I guess that, that's just for one I mean there'll be another uh, ticket available I guess for the, the return leg I suppose yeah, yeah. so what that, that 15 euro uh, gets you the game gets you, puts you into a draw for 300 euro and it also puts you into a, a draw for assigned euro sharks so look I think it's 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 great value in fairness and look, yeah. I'd pay 50 quid to be honest with you to see Absolutely. Euro um, I'm happy enough with that yeah no it's, it's great value um, and it, so you'll buy your ticket and then the, the game will be available Do you, you'll buy a ticket on the club website you get sent a code um, yeah. 24 hours I think before the fixture and I think you'll access the game then through LOI TV and uh, that's the platform that you'll use um, so yeah it's great value and like I presume it's all been sorted out over the Icelandic side as well I presume all that stuff has been boxed off and um, they were saying it just in that statement that they were working with them. Look, it's I'm sure it's only kind of dotting the i's and crossing the t's and probably yeah. figuring out a, a, a fee or whatever. Yeah. Like at this day and age, there's absolutely no way where the game won't be available. So, yeah. And uh, Rovers have a, a special um, European t shirt on the go as well on the website as well. Uh, it's lovely from the front. I'm not too sure about the back. But that's just my opinion. Anyway, you can uh, <laughs> you can buy it on the club website. What's that, Jerry? No taste, anyways. I know, I have zero taste. Um, that's not to say that I won't be buying it. Um, yeah. Okay. So, um, uh, Longford uh, away. Are we going to go on to, on to Longford away? Um, do we? Oh, does Greg Bulger miss this game? Jerry, are you on that? No? no. Sean, he's, he's good? No, he says that to us in the interview. All right, he's good oh. to go. Okay. Waterford away. Waterford away. Okay, um, which is yeah, I suppose you'd probably take that as well, wouldn't you? You're, you'd be, you'd, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, so on the back of the good performance against Bulls, do we need to put out as close to as possible? Obviously, Regan Donlin could be a question mark. Do we need to continue as we were, uh, Sean? I think so. I think uh, Gary Buckley will come back into the side. Yeah, Gary will be fit, and I think it's important that he gets minutes before the European game anyway, because he'll be vital in that clash. So I think what Jerry already touched on, I think is the best solution all around there is Blaney going out at left full and Gary Buckley coming in at centre half. I think that benefits all, benefits everyone and creates a solid structure as well because I think that's more than likely what we'll have to go with in Europe. Um, Magoo, surely you're going to protect one of our most important players ahead of one of the biggest games of the season and you're not going to start uh, Buckley at Longford. <laughs> no, it's, it's, it's hard to know what 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 Liam to, will do. But if if he's fit to play, if he's fit to play, are you playing him? Um. Well, yeah. Like if he's fit to play, he'll, he'll play. I would imagine. Like Sean said, he need minutes. Does anybody, Jerry? Do you know if this Icelandic will play on an Astro or is it grass? I would presume it's Astro. Is it? Yeah, I think it's Astro again. Yeah, yeah, they're so all like, Astro over there. Yeah. So. I imagine he has to be getting some sort of minutes in his legs before that to see how he feels and see what it's like before. I can't see them throwing straight back into an Astro anyway in a big game like that. High intensity. To just everything about it being a big European game would, would test the legs anyway. 
But if it's only coming back from injury, it'll be very dodgy. I imagine just throwing straight in there. Yeah. Um, listen, I mean, I don't know when the last time Longford... Um, uh, oh, they drew their last game against Finn Harps, but aside from that, I don't know the last time when they, they took points off anybody. Um, they have a heap of defeats in between or after that draw at Harps. But um, would you be, you know, worried in the worried about the wounded dog, Jerry, or um, is it a handy enough to put in a decent performance and we're over the line? Uh, no, look, in fairness, I don't think there's any handy games in this division um, at all. And like, I think you know, even with Longford being cut adrift where they are, um, they've only taken one kind of thing this season. All the, all the other games have probably lost by an odd goal or, you know, they don't seem to have lost by more than a couple on two two occasions off the top of my head. I think they've had like a couple of 2-0 defeats and they've had a 5-0 defeat to Drogheda. But apart from that, every other game has been 2-1 or 1-0 or 1-all or 0-0. Yeah, yeah. So they're, they're, they're not... Like as the boys were saying as well, like they work their socks off. Uh, no team, and they keep going to the end. And we've seen that ourselves in the previous game that we played them in the showgrounds. They kept going, we bet them 2 0. And we might have been a little bit fortunate to beat them 2 0. And they, fairness, they kept going to the end. And I guess yes, they did that game, that kind of game. The end. So it's not, it's not a gimme. No games are. Um, but at the same time, too, if we perform anyway to the level of performance that we did against, um, Thing you've asked it, uh, you know, it should be, it should be comfortable. Um, yeah, I mean, there, there's they won, they, they won in the first game of the season, Derry uh, against Derry, yeah, and um, yeah, um, as you said, um, but they're 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 a bust of flutch at this stage, though they're going down, aren't they? So, I mean, their confidence and their willingness to, they're not a bust of flush, that's a that's a harsh thing to say, but there's very little chance of them, uh. There's very little chance of them staying up um, this season. So, that, I mean, the fight that we saw that they can provide earlier in the season, um, I don't know. I, you'd be hoping that that's on the way in a little bit as well. You would be, wouldn't you? Um, but like that too, like, I've only seen highlights of the game against Harps and, like, everybody knows Harps are an extremely difficult side to play against. And in fairness, look, they matched them uh, every bit of the way. And I know they got a fortunate goal, uh, but... They still got the draw, and yeah. you know, once, no matter how you get a goal, goal's a goal. Uh, doesn't matter how you get points, you know that it doesn't matter. And I, I would like to agree with you, but I, I didn't see it the last day against Harps. So, um, in fairness to the manager, he seems to have them well motivated and well drilled, and, and, and you know, integrity, integrity there in the squad. Yeah, like if he's selling some sort of bigger picture to them, Sean, like you know that it's not all about this season. And like you know, your man Kieran Burke, we spoke to on between the stripes, he was. You know, it was earlier on the season, he was really, uh, he was really speaking them up, like you're really kind of saying that they're, they're, you know, that they have some quality players, and they do have some decent players, but a lot of it's about hard work, I suppose. Yeah, it's look, they're a hard working young side, and I'd say they're a, they're a, a project really, in in building maybe, and you know, the step by step they'll keep going on, but. I don't, I don't see the quality in them. Genuinely, I don't. And they are finding a way of scoring. In fairness to them, they scored in most games they've played. I think it's only in their last ten games or eleven games, it's only us and Shams that they haven't scored against. So you know that that goes to show they are they are they are able to get a goal anyway and make things difficult for teams. But I genuinely think if the, if we go out and just play to our own, to our abilities and not take it as a gimme or be slack in any way, shape, or form, we win this game. And it goes back to what Jerry was saying as well. 
earlier on about momentum and confidence. And if you want to win this league, these are the games you just have to go out and win. It's as simple as that. There's no draws, no losses. You just have to go and get three points in these games. Yeah, they've scored in five. They've scored at least one. Well, they've scored one goal in five of their last six games. And the only team they haven't scored against in that in that run of games is is um, at home against Shams. But they scored against Pats. They scored against Dundalk, Waterford, Harps. Maybe a run of the the teams that are lower down the division. But um, you should have scored in that game against Shams. Though they were yeah, awful that, Well, that's so. right. Yeah, yeah. Um, they went very close. Yeah. So. Um, like, listen. I mean, I think it's. I think, just as I said earlier, I think the the fact that it comes up against or just ahead of our, our first European game, um, it's important that I think we dis- we dispatch them. Like, we don't have to go hammer anybody, but I think a win is really is hugely important here, um, to avoid any jitters or question marks over the team. And and more than that, uh, that we you know if we're playing Bulger and Buckley and that we come out of this game unscathed, like you know because. Yeah. You know, I know we're we're talking about the depth in the squad that we have now, but still, we don't want to lose anybody. Um, we don't want to lose anybody. Well, that's why, yeah. That's why you have to be on it from the start, do a professional job, and get the game over as quickly as possible, and take the sting and the heart out of them. Like if if it's nil nil with a, a half an hour to go, they'll still be like running around flying into challenges, and we'll still be having to work our balls off to get the three points. Get to get the game over with early. 1-0, 2-0 at time even and nice handy stroll through the second half. They'll, as you said already, Connor the heart will be going out of them. Now, like they're very dogged, they're very honest, they're full of heart. Like the manager obviously has something about them when he can get them lads to be given that every game till the last minute of every game. But they've definitely works. bought into what he's saying ago, haven't they? Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, I, I to be honest, which I like him as well. Like I do think anytime you listen to him, I do actually like yeah. him. But um, you know, if 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 we're on it and we we're a couple of goals up, but an hour gone. Like we can, we can just take this thing out of it and play out the rest of the game. Make sure we've no injuries. You know what I'm gonna do as well on that, right? You know, like you were saying there, um, say there's an hour and we're an hour in and it's nil all and it's nip and tuck, right? The thing, the difference about this game is that they're gonna have 500 home fans. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That 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 that'd be a huge difference, like. Usually, if they have, they have something to be shouting, and if if the team has something to cling on to, and the fans have something to back them, like yeah, that huge difference. Ten percent, doesn't it? Oh yeah, yeah, hundred percent. And this will be probably the first time, uh, realistically, in about a year where the both teams have played in, pro- in front of a proper crowd. Like you know, consider five hundred proper crowd, really. Yeah, well, it'll, it'll make noise, like yeah. you know. I know there's the hundred in the last day, and I I saw I heard people saying, oh, there was a bit of an app. You couldn't really get it over the over the, the telly Free. anyway if there wasn't if there was an atmosphere and in none of the grounds with a hundred in it, just mm. not really the atmosphere. But five hundred will make a difference. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's kind of disappointing. We were just chatting about it before we started recording. It's disappointing to see um, Pats and Longford um, getting those large crowds, and we're limited to still the couple of hundred, like you know. Um, so um, and there's, there's, there doesn't seem to be any, there'll be no change in that in the. The forthcoming weeks, I don't, I don't think anyway, Jerry. I don't think there's going to be much. No. What, what was Jack? What was Jack Chambers saying today about the guy? Was he? He was. He he was saying that uh, they brought it uh, forward today, and he brought it to the Saturday. So most of the League of Ireland clubs are going to miss out. Uh, they're going to miss out uh, for the day. Yeah. 
No, but Longford are fortunate enough that they play their home games on a Saturday night, so that's why they'll, they'll get the fight. But yeah. I think he was only he was only he was only bringing it forward. He thought he was a great that man bringing it forward, so everybody could go to the gap. Yeah, I mean, that was all. I, once again, the League of Ireland was forgotten about. It was it was just wasn't even an afterthought. Yeah, he wouldn't even be that lucky to be an afterthought. Yeah. No. Yeah, but Longford do make it in because of the Saturday, isn't that right? The, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's why it's the five there. Not, it wasn't, it's only because they play the games on the Saturday, whereas most, in fairness, yeah. League of Ireland clubs play yeah. on the Friday. On the Friday, yeah. But I, I think that, Jesus, if there's any way we could get the, the capacity up at all, we'd love to see what get it. I know in, in Richmond Park, Connor, um, with the, the, the patron stand, as they call it, behind the goal, like that's a temporary structure. So surely if we could put in a temporary terrace structure, like what we had against Shams, maybe there's an opportunity there that would we'll, we'll bring it to 5,000 and we get get 500 fans in. So I'd love to think that the club may be exploring that. Yeah. Um, I suppose it's, 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 it's money that they're not, you know, they're not going to generate any funds from it. So it might be, it's a difficult kind of sell to, yeah. um, to the people that, um, I don't know. I have no idea. I'm sure, I'm sure it's big money to get, uh, you know, a semi-permanent or a, um, not even a semi-permanent, but I'm sure it's big money to get a stand like that in. And if you're not going to put seats on it, if you're not going to put bums in the seats, it's, um, yeah, I don't know. And maybe, like, Pat's got lucky. They just got lucky that they happened to have their non-permanent stand behind that goal so they could claim that they have a bigger capacity than what they really probably do have, but however. Um just remind you as well to get your shouts in the shed and in after the, the Pats game, uh, you can get them into podcast at borst.ie. Um, any other points as we look ahead to, sorry, I said Pats, I mean the Longford game, I beg your pardon. Uh, any other points on uh, the Longford game before uh, we wrap things up, lads? Um, we want to see Johnny Kenny back in, uh, back up top again and to continue his form. And his, you know, I suppose he's going to think that he'll have more opportunities um, when he comes up against um comes up against Longford, Sean, what do you think? You're on mute there, Sean. I was. Yeah, I assume Johnny will be starting up top, so he will. It, it, it won't be as expansive, though, as the last day, obviously, against Bowes. It'll be a tighter pitch and a lot yeah. more compact. But And that was the problem the last time we were there. find the space? Yeah, that was the problem the last time we were there. We thought the pitch was very narrow, didn't we? That's what we... See, see the, the run that, um, that Magoo highlighted for... Was it Johnny's second goal? That's the type of run that he needs to make on that pitch, um, yeah. you know, to, to to generate that space. And I think, and and I, you know, that's something I suppose I, I didn't really think of at the time. Was just kind of appreciated the goal, but what he said is, does make sense. That's I suppose in those tight situations, how to get that space, and you know, yeah. Um... The other thing that I, we forgot to mention, Jerry, is um, you know uh, last. So we do our um, our beer scorecast after we ask you to send in your uh, predictions before each game, and um, you can get them into us on Twitter just using the hashtag beer scorecast. So before the Longford game, just let us know what you think the score is going to be, and tag um, the Bitter Red Supporters Trust and tag the White Hag and use the the hashtag, and you'll be with a chance if you predict the right score of uh, getting a case of White Hag beer. Um, but last week nobody got the score right yeah. I suggested that uh, you divide the case of beer between uh, everybody who entered uh, that idea was shot down and <laughs> Jerry you uh, went and made an executive decision to award the beer to who? 
the the Sligo Fire Brigade. Yeah. Uh, because for the last two games, they've come up and they've, they've watered the pitch. And I definitely think that that's helped improve our play. And it just highlights as well, um, you know, how how important the football club is to the community and, and vice versa. And it's great to see, you know, like that kind of level of engagement between, you know, something like the Fire Brigade and the football club. It's just, it's fantastic. And fairness, the lads in the Fire Brigade uh, are always great supporters and always have been of, of the Rovers. So it's it's just... Our, I suppose it's just a small touch from us. Um, it's not very much, but it's yeah. just a gesture more than anything. And in fairness to the White Hag, instead of just sending up one case um, of of Beerton, they've doubled it and sent up two cases. So it'll be able to go around a little bit further. Um, but if you I'm want... Afraid Alan Keane to drink it off. Oh! If you want to get your hands on a case of uh, White Hag beer... Uh, you can enter in our beer scorecard competition. Just use the hashtag and tag us and the White Hag in Twitter and uh, enter in your predictions. And uh, we will call the winner out after the game uh, next week. Okay, just to thank our uh, sponsors before we finish up, uh, Barry Creek Solicitors in Sligo and Dublin, uh, with whom are whose support is uh, much welcome. And also, as I mentioned, the White Hag Brewing Company. So uh, here's to a win ahead of our uh, European adventure in Longford. And just before we finish up, um, we just want to mention uh, the uh, grandmother, uh, Neve McGee's grandmother. Uh, Neve does a lot of good work for um, the Trust, and you'll find her writing on the Trust's website. She does game reports, uh, and she's a really active member of the Trust. Uh, she's a big Rovers fan, and her, her grandmother passed away during the week, uh, Margaret uh, Peggy McGee Nimahan from Emmet Place. So I'd like to send our condolences to Neve and the, the family and the Mahan family. So uh, I think that's it before we wrap things up. Um, yeah, we'll come back to you after the, the Langford game and uh, just ahead of the European tie. And um, hopefully we're going into that in a nice positive mood. Uh, Sean, thank you for joining us. There's Connor. Jerry, thank you. Jerry, <laughs> uh, thanks a million. I just fell out the window. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, to Magoo and Magoo's Kitchen, thanks to all the utensils, uh, the tinfoil, the dishwasher. No dogs tonight. <laughs> oh, she's, she's here, but she's quiet. Jerry, yeah. Jerry's dad, Jamie, that he, that he fell up the way too when he fell out the window. <laughs> <laughs> Magoo, thanks, uh, thanks for joining us. Cheers, boys. Okay, lads, we'll, we'll chat. Uh, we'll chat again next week. Thanks a minute. Bye-bye.